0: Good morning, family. It's good to be with you. I'm Steve Rossi, a pastor here at the Gospel Tab, and um, the late John Wimber, who developed that five-step prayer model uh, that we're doing the training on. Uh, he said his two favorite prayers are "help" and "more." Um, <laughs> so, to what Michael said, uh, we need Jesus to enter the space, right? Well, we had a beautiful time in this space yesterday. Uh, worshiping and praying together for a uh, worship and prayer burn is what other people have coined it um, where we just uh, were expanding our capacity in prayer um, but it was such a good uh, space just to minister to the lord to be transformed in his presence and to hear from heaven his heart and pray it back to him in agreement there's power in agreement uh, with christ and his kingdom amen and so join us tonight like they said about upper room Uh, In doing that further, uh, together as a Gospel Tab family, I trust God's going to meet us and transform us, guide us, reveal His protection of us. One of the most beautiful times I thought last night was um, when we had a time, an extended time of silence, actually. We did different forms of prayer throughout the time, but um, there was a time of silence, and someone gave me a word during that silence. They said, this there's um silence in the victory and it was just kind of like we were resting and steve just prayed this we were resting in the victory of christ so it's not the shout that makes us victorious right it's not like oh be louder and there's anointing and being loud and aggressive or intense right it's not in that it's in the person the person of jesus And so, whether it's a shout in the camp, because God's calling for a shout that acknowledges and exercises our faith and our victory in Christ, or it's silence saying, I'm resting in the victory of Jesus. Um, Either way, it's the person of Jesus in whom we have victory. Amen. So, this is our last week in... Oh, and I wanted to reference the flowers. Um, Yesterday, someone in gratitude and joy and worship of Jesus gave a physical uh, representation of that, an expression of their love to Him, and I thought, let's leave it here. Um, <laughs> let's leave a, a manifestation of love at Jesus' feet, um, just to to look at as we continue to worship Him in the Word and, and in other ways. So today we're going to be in Philippians 4, 1 through 9. It'll be on the screen if you want to get to that on your advice, device, please, not your advice. Um And uh, that we're in our last week of Family on Mission, and we're talking about conflict today, and that families choose each other. What does it look like to choose each other? What does it look like to prefer one another over ourselves um, in relationship, and even specifically in conflict? So, can you guys stand with me uh, in honor of God's word? And I will read this, uh, the word of the Lord. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and God of peace will be with you. You can be seated. Okay, so Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And this is around 60 A.D., about 10 years after his first visit there. And it's a Roman colony where a lot of ex-soldiers, patriot nationalists now reside. And so the church that was birthed there does experience resistance and even persecution. It's an ancient Macedonian city, and uh, the people there are uh, of the church... For whatever else they are, they are diverse. We see in Acts 16 that right from the jump, Paul enters that city and leads a wealthy businesswoman to Christ. He delivers a slave girl from a demon, and he leads a jailer to Jesus. And so whatever they are, they're diverse. They're diverse community coming together. And if they're not diverse racially... Ethnically, culturally, they are diverse in terms of perspective on life, right? <laughs> um, they're coming to life with, from different situations. And in that context, in Philippi, we see in Odia and Sintiki there's a conflict. And we don't know what the conflict is because I'm quite certain it doesn't matter. It's not that a conflict doesn't matter. It's that knowing what it is isn't helpful to us. Paul wants to get to the heart of how to handle conflict as a brother, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he pleads with them to be in agreement, to be in harmony, to forgive, to reconcile. He pleads with the church in Philippi to help them in this endeavor, and he pleads with the people of this church or churches to have the mindset of Christ, and we'll talk about that soon. Well, a few months ago I had a conversation um regarding some circumstances that went sideways Um, and uh, it was it was a hard conversation it highlighted my weaknesses and um, made me feel vulnerable in it and also it was in the context of like a lot of rapid change I felt disoriented I felt like uh, thrown off And, and, and in the middle of that there was a silence that made me feel really awkward And so I started to speak, and if you ever, uh, as you were speaking, wanted to pull the words back in your mouth, um, (laughs) and I just kept talking, Um, I let my flesh win the day. Anyway, so it led to misunderstanding on top of these hard circumstances. And the person I was talking to, um, they told me honestly how they felt by that. And then they gave it a couple days to revisit the conversation. I want you to pay attention to what they did here. And after that, they revisited it with me. and the first thing they did was they affirmed me in my calling and in my gifting related to their comment that I made, that this is perhaps why I saw things this way, and I affirm you in your calling and gifting in that. But they also challenged me to lean into my weaknesses in order to grow. And instead of canceling me and defining me by what I said, or instead of attacking me right in the moment, they restored us in gentleness. And we can all go home. That's how you handle conflict. Now um, <laughs> But that is an awesome picture of what we're talking about today, the spirit, not holding me to the letter of the law and the mistake I made, but holding but living by the spirit of the law and restoring gently. It's easier said than done, isn't it? And it's honestly even in the church an exception, and not the norm. Um, and and conflict is hard. And when I'm talking about conflict, if you could put this on the screen, I am talking about. Uh, I got this from someone else. I really like it. I'm it. A serious disagreement regarding a meaningful situation. Now this is important because when I'm not talking about abuse, or dangerous, or um, a dysfunctional situation relationship. I'm talking about um, this, this, a disagreement regarding a meaningful situation. And so the reality is conflict tempts us to be anxious. And when we're anxious to fight or flight, right? To go attack mode or be passive and suppress our anger and things get worse, we grow apart in reality, even though no one's saying anything. Or, we talk too much like I did, and it creates more misunderstanding and heartache, not less. Conflict is difficult to navigate, and um, it's especially painful, right, in the body of Christ. Because we are one with each other, we belong to each other, and when we're not seeing eye to eye, it's especially painful. You feel that tear even more, right, that that um, strain. And Syntyche and Iodia no doubt felt this in a relationship. So, Paul pleads with them to imitate him. His life is defined by the light and love of Jesus. He's not perfect. He wouldn't say that he was, but he's saying, imitate me um, as, I, as I follow Jesus. And he goes on in verse 1, uh, right from the start here in this passage, to say, therefore. And any time we see therefore in the scriptures, you've heard others say this, We say, what is it there for? We've got to look back. What's he saying there for about? We're we're starting at this verse. What is he referring to beforehand? Well, in chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul says, I do one thing. I forget what's behind, and I press on towards uh, my upward call in Christ. The call in Christ is our identity in Christ, purpose in Christ. He's saying, I forget what's behind. Now, he's not saying forget this conflict right No, he's actually the one addressing it he's saying no don't forget it address it be restored but he said once you've forgiven and reconciled forget what's behind not literally forget right we get the heart of it forget move forward move on toward your upward call your mission and your identity in Christ together and your I talked about this the first uh, week of this series our communal identity right in unity And so here he's saying, therefore, imitate me in this way, right? And he goes on to talk about three other ways to walk in unity. And the first thing he says is to rejoice, but he doesn't just say to rejoice, right? He says, rejoice always. And if the word always wasn't enough, he says, I say it again, rejoice. I mean, he is emphasizing How imperative, how vital it is to rejoice in the Lord. When we rejoice in the Lord, we are fundamentally exercising, cultivating humility, because we're saying, you are God, I am not. When we worship and give him his worth, the byproduct is, we are acknowledging, we are not you who we are worshiping, right? (laughs) We're cultivating humility in a place of rejoicing and also he says present your requests to God all of your in every situation with thanksgiving he's saying choose this attitude lean into this and present your requests to God have you ever been in conflict and not presented your requests to God your petitions your concerns your situation and you just stewed on it and your anxieties just rose right and you worried about a future that will never happen Right? And he's saying, don't do that. The Lord, perceive that the Lord is at hand. How? By coming to him, presenting your requests to him, worshiping him, get in his presence. And as you do that, you'll perceive he's at hand. It's interesting that he says as a command don't be anxious. Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't worry about a future that will never happen. He's not saying don't feel anxiety. He's saying here's how you address it to not walk in anxiety but to walk in the Lord, to walk in His ways, to deal with this and then bring a healed, at peace you to conflict resolution. Right? Now I'm coming to this place like my friend did with me in a right place a healthy place to address this. So don't worry about a future that will never happen. Lean into God. Perceive He's at hand, and He's addressed. He may even give you direction on how to address this conflict, right? Ask Him. The last thing Paul says is... um, to think on the things of God, whatever's noble, whatever's trustworthy, whatever's excellent, whatever's praiseworthy. He says, think on these things. And so instead of stinking thinking, instead instead of just stewing in your own thoughts, meditate on Jesus and the things of Jesus and see what this doesn't do to your disposition toward the other, toward your situation. Amen? Well, the byproduct of this lifestyle of pursuing Jesus in this way amidst conflict forgetting what's behind being set on this person who I'm in conflict with being set on their calling their purpose and our purpose and callings being together that we are tethered to each other rejoicing in the Lord worshiping the Lord that the byproduct of this is reducing conflict but also readying yourself for when misunderstanding happens and when that happens we can remain close to god close to ourselves and how, what we're how we're really doing and close to each other amidst high times of anxiety resisting the pull to cut each other off family systems theory calls this differentiation paul calls this the mindset of christ and so I would say that the mindset of Christ um, getting there is to go a bit deeper than what family systems theory might say, but it's a good principle. Well, that's it. Just choose these three points. Do them. Try harder, right? Just rejoice, worship, and, you know, pray. Worship and pray. <laughs> and uh, But Paul is clear here that what is required is a deep transformational work of the heart, right? He's, he acknowledges, what's happened in me is a deep transformative work that has brought for me, as the Bible Project called it as I studied this, that has brought Paul hope and humility. He's done this deep work in his own life to be able to pers- to see this through the lens of faith and hope, Things are not lost for Yodia and Syntyche. <clears throat> things must be restored. Um, and he's believing and hoping for all things because he's walking in love and in the presence of Jesus. Well, in Paul's letter, <clears throat> there is a central passage in Philippians here that all of these pieces point to. So, this is one piece that we read today, our text for today, and it points to what everything else points to in this letter, and that's Philippians 2, 6-11. So if you could put that on the screen. It should be the next slide. In your relationships with un- one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, So Paul here not only affirms Jesus' deity, but he also says that Jesus is a suffering servant. And not only that, he says he became in his very nature a servant. Jesus took on a new nature so that we could have a new nature. Jesus became a son of man that we can become sons of God. Amen? And so Jesus... Though he's exalted in his rightful place, right? It's not like pride was why he was there and he needed to like step it down a notch. He needed to, come to, he needed to humble himself for character development. <laughs> no, Jesus, since eternity past, was God. Is God. And Jesus is the great I Am. Jesus is God all by himself. And he comes down... And becomes a new nature, a servant, a man, a baby. And in verse nine, Paul says therefore the Father exalted him. What is it therefore? Because he humbled himself even unto death on the cross. He humbled himself even unto death on a cross. And Last month I had a vision And in the vision It was a, a picture It was in prayer with a group of folks It was a picture of Jesus With a crown of thorns on his head And across, his, across him It just said the word flourish And brothers and sisters The way of the cross Is not just eternal life For us to go to heaven someday It is that, but it's not only that. It's also our way of life. This Christ's life, the way of the cross, the way of suffering, the way of joy, is the life to which we're called, to which we've submitted. We read this this morning, and I didn't know that we would be, but if you go to the next slide... Paul says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. We were co-crucified and co-live with Christ that in joy and suffering we would emanate the fullness of His glory. Not just part of it. You don't get to pick and choose. (laughs) And when we lay down, brothers and sisters, and prefer each other, when we die to ourselves and say, what's more important is this person and their calling and their purpose and our mission and calling together. That is when Christ is revealed in our body. Amen. After all, we're a body together, not apart. <laughs> And so Jesus reconciled us through his crucifixion on the cross to God and to one another. And forgive, and so he calls us, forgive as I forgave you and be reconciled. Well, Brooke taught me this, forgiveness is unilateral. You choose to forgive, right? Whether that person's sorry, much less willing to reconcile. I can forgive and I must forgive in order to stay free and not have a, root of bitterness start in me. Your forgiveness is for your freedom and because what that person did to wrong you has no power over you unless you give it power. Amen? And so forgive. But reconciliation is a two-way street, right? It goes both way, like the other person has to be willing to reconcile too in order for relationship to be restored and sometimes that doesn't happen even in the body of Christ. But Paul is saying, be reconciled too. This is the full reward for Christ's suffering, right? Be reconciled. And so, you know, there's only one time in history where reconciliation wasn't performed by two people, but one. Jesus fulfilled both sides of the covenant. As God, he fulfilled God's side because he was faithful all By himself, in his very nature, he was faithful. (laughs) In his man, he fulfilled our side of the covenant by shedding his blood on the cross for the atonement for reconciliation to God and reconciliation to one another. He accomplished reconciliation all by himself that this covenant between God and us would be activated. Amen? And now, we get to reconcile. Paul refers to them as co-workers or companions. Or The word, it actually means yoke fellows who are bound together. He says, we belong to, in that word, companions, is, is, he's saying, we belong to one another. We are bound, we are one. Let's live as we are, right? Let's live according to the truth, Reconciled as one, not beneath our identity, right? Not according to a lie, not less than our inheritance, not less than our worth as the body of Christ. But let's be bound to one another because we are, whether we're living according to a lie or the truth. <laughs> we're bound to one another. The cross decided it. Well, years ago... Um, I had friends who were in conflict and I felt led to go to one of them regarding that conflict. And um, I don't always do. This isn't some like prescription. Like this is the one way to, you know, deal with this when you see your friends at conflict. <laughs> but I just felt like God wanted me to, to share some things with this with one of them. And it wasn't even that I thought they were the one at fault or any of that. It was just uh, how I felt led by the Spirit. And um of some of the things I said, I just said, um, hey, so here's what I feel like your role, like your calling, and your purpose in our mission is, and here's what I think God's doing here among us. And I feel like the Lord is is making us a house of prayer. Uh, I know that's His heart from Scripture. And, and the Lord says that a house divided can't stand. So a house divided can't become a house of prayer. And I just felt like the people involved in this in this conflict were critical to its building, right? And so, as far as I know, they didn't they never went to the other person to reconcile. I don't know for sure, but I remember having a dream um, a few weeks after around that time period, and in the dream, I saw them worshiping together at an outdoor venue, and I just remember waking up from that dream and just full of faith receiving that dream in the name of Jesus, declaring that dream over them, and even driving across the East Rochester Bridge through the tears of the Lord, just grieving with hope, you know, for reconciliation for them. Well, guys, this is rooted in our identity. What does it take to have the mindset of Christ? You know, we have a good start on the matter because we have the mind of Christ, the Scriptures say, because we have the Spirit of God in us, right? Right? And when we look at Philippians 2, this central passage to which this text points, we see that Jesus is both a servant and a king. That though humility is obviously diametrically opposed to pride, it's also diametrically opposed to low self-worth. This isn't about, you know, God doesn't view us low. Listen, Christine said it beautifully on Ash Wednesday that we are this paradox of dust and ashes who reverence Jesus as Lord, right? And his royal children, who are delighted in by him, who are companions and friends of Christ, right? Who are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so how do we be this both and? What does that look like? Jesus demonstrates this beautifully as a servant king, right? And if he's a servant king, then we are servant kings and queens, but you know what I'm saying. We are servant kings and what that looks like, if you could put up this next slide, is that we can put others above us and our rights beneath us by the power of God in us. We can put others above us. And you know, by the, if it's not by the power of God, you actually can't do this. So don't miss that part. Like, oh, just do this or this. No. You can put others above you, and you can put your rights beneath you only by the power of God in you. <laughs> and so what does it look like? To receive His power, but surrender. But surrender. This is the dying. We carry around the death of Christ, right? So that we reveal the life of Christ. We lay down on the proverbial altar of sacrifice and the pattern and power of Christ, right? We lay down our rights. We lay down and receive the fire of God's manifest presence. And no matter whether in that fire His fire is the word of delight or a word of discipline, It is words of life to your soul. It is transformative and it is for your good and you can trust him and you are safe. Fire seems like that's not safe. You are safe because he's gentle and lowly. That means humble at heart. See, the one who comes to you is gentle and humble at heart. You know what the power is? You know what the secret sauce is? The power of God to perform this in you, to put others above you, to put your rights beneath you. It's the impartation of humility and gentleness of Christ. It's surrendering to this one who wants to give this to you, to impart humility and gentleness to you. When he imparts humility to you, it begets honor. And what we're after here in Christ's kingdom, and we have this as a value too, is a culture of honor. And we seek not just lip service to a culture of honor. We take seriously what it looks like to steward and remain and grow in, aspire to, a culture of honor. This culture of honor is rooted in humility. The Proverbs say, humility comes before honor. That the Lord rewards those with humility and fear of the Lord. He rewards them with wealth, honor, and life. See, a culture of honor happens through humility. Humility begets honor, and honor begets unity, right? And unity... John, can you come up and play? Unity is not just for relationship. Unity is for the mission. Unity is for the mission. The Lord wants us to come together in our calling and giftings. Not to for the eye to say to the body, to the head, I don't need you. For the feet to say to the elbow, I don't need you. Well, that didn't work out. I don't need you. <laughs> we do need each other. It's critical for this mission. We need each other. And you know, I'm thinking about that relationship and hoping that it's reconciled now i don't know but you know i think that the lord wanted to build something through that and there's justice and mercy for that not happening right but i'm just telling you justice and mercy of christ is better served in unity on mission than it is bearing with disunity does that make sense that his justice and mercy is, is for both, you know. But it's better served <laughs> for unity on mission. And so I want to look at this passage. I think we looked at this in, the, in my first sermon on this series. Uh, if you can go to the next slide. Look at what Jesus says about unity. The Lord struck me with something on this in particular here as I close. I have given them the glory so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, excuse me, loved them, even as you have loved me. Brothers and sisters, this is how we reach the lost. We go together on mission. We emanate God's glory through complete unity. And the lost are found. Notice he says, the world That's how he defines unbelievers, right? He's saying, not my disciples, but the world. The world would know that it would encounter that the Father loves them as the Father loves Jesus. How? Through a unified church on mission. There's so many stories coming out of missional communities of people just going. And like Michael said, oftentimes it's not knowing what to do. It's just inviting the love of the Father. People coming to Christ because they've experienced that the Father loves them as He loves Jesus, even as they are yet in Christ. They're not even in Christ yet. <laughs> they're defined by Christ as the world, and yet they're encountering Him and knowing that the Father, they're coming into an assurance of faith that the Father, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> this is God's design, is to go out together in, com- in beloved community on mission. This is how we emanate his glory. I think about times of going out on mission and just all the things we would see. Sometimes we didn't see anything. But so often we would just see God show up and be like, Oh my gosh, can you believe that? That word landed with them and they started crying, or you know, this this person got healed of this, or this person came to Christ and they're gonna be baptized. And it's like all it was was just agreement. It was two people saying yes on mission in unity and going out and doing the things that Jesus said to do. Rich Valotis of New Life Fellowship Church says that they aspire to have um, a culture that normalizes conflict and equips people to have difficult conversations. I'd like to adopt that. I think, I think that, that's a good thing. <laughs> We want to equip each other to have hard conversations, to walk through real conflict, real hard misunderstandings, and to go through it by the power of God in submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. To go through it toward the strengthening of relationships and our calling and our mission rather than around it to the detriment of movement, to the detriment of our health. Amen. And so I just want to say in closing, guys, let's continue to choose each other. I love what God is building here. Let's continue to choose each other as family by cultivating proactively, not just in response to, right? By cultivating humility and gentleness on that altar. Rejoicing in the Lord, right? Running to God with this. Thinking and meditating on the things of Christ. Amen.